What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Not Your Normal Read. I'm your host, Reed Jones. Today, joining me is a good friend of mine as we are going to discuss our most surprising players one month into the NBA season. How about you go ahead and introduce yourself? Mr. Jones, thank you so much. My name is Jackson Hawk. I'm from the state of Washington. I'm a lover of basketball, man. And so I just want to appreciate Reed Jones for letting me be on its pod today. Ready to get to work. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I mean, you know, I've been tweeting some stuff, saw you liking it, clicked on your profile, saw you were dropping some knowledge and shouting out Seattle. So I, you know, I had to follow and ask if you wanted to hop on. Anybody that talks about the Supersonics is good in my book. (laughs) Thanks, bro. Let's get it. All right. So as I said, we're going to discuss our five most surprising players in the first month of the NBA season. Of all levels, we're going to talk about bench guys, guys that surprised us, guys that went from good to great or even great to greater, and just maybe guys that we just like. Um, One month into the season, about 15 games have been played, and so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to go with my honorable mentions. I was trying to narrow it down to one honorable mention, but with it came down to two with the second guy's recent play. My first honorable mention is Lou Dort, who is one of my favorite players now in the league. Yes, sir. After what he did in the bubble, holding James Harden to what he did. A lot of people point to Chris Paul of why the Thunder were in the position that they were um, as the fifth seed to play the Rockets. But in my opinion, Lou Dort turned that series into seven games with what he did to Harden. And I give Lou Dort an honorable mention because this is the first full season where we know who he is. We have seen him. And so in game seven against Harden, he dropped 30 points while only having 26 in his first six games combined. But this year, this year, Lou Dort is shooting a very respectable 39% from three on three and a half more attempts than he did last year. So, and he's on one of the best deals in the league where he's making only about 567000 a year. Now that's probably still going to get him a really nice place in Oklahoma city. But all I want to say is Lou Dort, watch out for him as the thunder have all these picks. They're going to rebuild in the future. And he's only 23. And that dude at six foot five might be the most jacked dude in the league. And he is just a future The D is already there. The D is already, like, capitalized defense. And the three went from, you know, kind of like, oh, it's three, but now he has potential to be a legit three and D wing. Um, And I really like his fitness SGA. So this guy, he just totally earned his second, the second honorable mention for me because I was only going to go with Dort. But I'm going with a guy who a lot of people, he is – slept on in terms of the six-man-of-the-year race. I'm going with the Philadelphia 76ers, Shake Milton. The dude Ooh. went from nine points to 17 points this year. Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey were hyping him up before the season, but we always get guys hyped up by the coach in front office, and they never do anything. Shake Milton is for real. He dropped 31. He's dropped 31 this season. He's dropped 28 this season. And like I said, he went from nine points and just a – bench roll to 17 as the premier six man and it looks like jock rivers has found his lou will for philly oh man 
Those so I'm going to go ahead and get you. I'm going to go ahead and let you get into your honorable mentions, and let's go ahead and have you start with your fifth most surprising player, Jackson. So right now, my honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that all of us know. Uh, we call him Swiper. He's sneaky as a fox, folks. We call him De'Aaron Fox, straight out of yes. Big Blue Nation. It's his fourth season in the league, averaging 20.8 points per game, three rebounds, 5.9 assists, with the shooting splits of 48 from two point, three point, 35.3% from three. And he typically does better from free throw, but he's 68.1% from free throw. And like, and like Reed Jones said, we're about 15 games into the season. So kind of what I want to focus on Fox is just a little, a little something about this. I feel like out of the younger premier guards, such as the Trey Youngs of the world, the Ja Morant and Shade SGAs of the world, often Fox, I think, is left out of discussion. Knowing early in the season that there are rumblings in the media about Bagley and Fox and Twitter and their dads, but overall, I just really like their team right now. Even though people have their doubts about Luke Walton, this and that, I just really think Fox, by getting that massive contract, that max contract, that he, he deserved it. I just believe that now Fox is really locking in. Um, I think with the addition of Tyrese Halliburton has really alleviated some pressure off of Fox. So he doesn't have to typically dominate the ball majority of the game. So his usage is probably a little bit down, but I really believe that the addition of Tyrese Halliburton has really kind of elevated Fox's game this year. I really love that. Really love that. So do you want me to get go with my fifth right now? Um, I'm just going to say like 15 seconds on De'Aaron Fox. Um, I really like what you brought up about the premier young guards in the league. We always bring up Trey. We always bring up SGA. We always bring up Jaw. And this year we're bringing up Lamelo even. But mm-hmm. for De'Aaron, it's because he's stuck in Sacramento. And the biggest thing, not really that he's stuck in Sacramento in terms of like you know, like we're it's not we're not saying hashtag free De'Aaron yet or like mm-hmm. free Fox. It's more so of the fact that he just signed that big extension that now people because he signed that extension almost on par with Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum, proven perennial all-star in all NBA players. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fox might not even be regarded as one of the best younger players at his position as yeah. opposed to in the entire league. But I really like what you said about him and Tyrese and that potential three-headed guard monster, like similar to what OKC ran last year with CP3, Schroeder, mm-hmm. and SGA of Fox, Buddy, and Tyrese. So I really like De'Aaron Fox. So now I'm going to let you go ahead and get into your surprising player. So I'm going to go from my least surprising to the greatest surprising player. And a lot of us uh, know this player. Um, he's been traded a few times. Um, but like Reed said, uh, the reason why he kind of invited me on the pod, because I'm a Seattle guy, I'm a Washington guy. So this player's name is Zach Levine, folks. He's seventh season in the league. I'm going to put a little bit of numbers for some context. 27.4 points per game, folks. 4.8 rebounds, 5.3 assists, with the shooting splits of 49.8 from two, 38.7 from three, and a nice 86.2% from free throw. And that's just out of 14 games. Just a little thing about Zach. To me, not only is he, is he performing as one of the best guards in the East, but I truly believe he's performing one of the best guards in the overall NBA right now. 
Um, I know that the Wizards have had some problems uh, with, with COVID and everything that's going on, but I really think Zach Levine and Bradley Beal have just mm. risen to the level of play where even though their teams may be losing, you cannot knock those numbers. You, it, I thought it was very disrespectful that Bradley Beal and Zach Levine didn't get a little bit more love last year from averaging all of those points, especially Beal. But overall, I think that Zach Levine uh, is the great – is, is a great addition for that Bulls team. But I think the best addition was Billy D. That yes. hire Billy yes. D has you saw Billy D with the young OKC Thunder last year. And look at what happened. Even though they added CP3, but look at what he did with that team. Now you're seeing Billy D do it with Zach Levine, with Colby White, Lori Marketing, and now also the great stellar rookie Patrick Williams out of Florida State. So I'm gonna just say here, folks, watch Zach Levine. Yes. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Yes, you got to shout out the Reed. Seattle guy. Got to shout out the Seattle guy. For Levine, I love what you said about Billy D. The only two moves that Chicago really did in the offseason was bring in Billy Donovan and draft Patrick Williams. And they've improved just by having a culture change. Now, mm-hmm. it would a lot of people would say Patrick Williams is doing well, but again, he's not putting up 20 points per game, rookie of the year leader, where they're like, wow, they had a solid cast of guys, like you said, with White and Markinen and Wendell Carter and Zach Levine, where Williams has now just boosted them. Whereas mm-hmm. Williams, is, he's been splitting time between starting and off the bench with Garrett Temple and Otto Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. But it's really Donovan. And we have seen Donovan take – guards and increase their scoring average. Look what he did with SGA last year in his second year. And Levine is more athletic than SGA. He's been in the league longer. And the tape is there. Zach yeah. Levine should, and in my opinion, will be an Eastern Conference All-Star. So going into staying in the East and talking about potential All-Stars, I will go in the same order as Jackson did as my Least surprising to my most surprising. So I'm going to start with shout out UVA, 20 minutes from where I am, Malcolm Brogdon, a.k.a. the president. Brogdon is currently averaging 22.5 points, four boards, seven assists, almost two steals, and an increase of six minutes with 36 minutes. So he's playing right on his per 36 are basically exactly what he's averaging on 47 field goal percentage, 42 three-point percentage, and a 90 free throw percentage. Now, what's funny is that those are down numbers in terms of percentages for Brockton. If everybody will remember, his last year in Milwaukee, he was a 50-40-90 guy and led the league in the free throw. And at 90%, that is considered a down for him this year. For the three-point percentage... The fact is that at 42%, he's doing that on 7.1 attempts per game, which is an increase of about two and a half attempts. So he's making about one more three per game as he has increased his scoring average by six and his steals by a whole steal. Now, as I pointed out, he's gone six more minutes per game, but Indiana has had some injuries as they have been without T.J. Warren for a little bit and now are without Turner, where he has now had to 
carry that load a little bit more. Little, little do people know about Brogdon of why I believe that Malcolm Brogdon should be an Eastern Conference All-Star this year is he is eighth in assists per game and eighth in steals per game. So you are getting a floor general who is reliable from the line and dropping 23 a night for you. Now, the biggest thing is why I have him as surprising is that in his last year of Milwaukee, two seasons ago, he was the fourth option on that team. Arguably third in the playoffs, as Eric Bledsoe did not perform as well as he had hoped, and Brogdon and Bledsoe kind of reversed their roles. But as Milwaukee decided that they were going to they were going to side with Bledsoe, Brogdon was given the opportunity to be the starting point guard in Indiana as Darren Collinson left the year that, if you remember, the Pacers with Collinson and Oladipo and yep. Sabonis took LeBron in 2018 to seven. Seven games, man. Seven games and. LeBron had, had that game winner, but everybody was like, wow, they are getting an above average starting point guard who should see an increase in his stats as now he has an increase in minutes in a role. Well, he's gone from a fourth option to an above average starting point guard to one of the top 10 point guards and one of the better point guards in the East. Now, granted that James Harden coming over might have impacted Brogdon's all-star potential maybe a little bit more. But you cannot deny that he has he has improved in every stat across the board every year of his career in terms of the per game stats. His shooting splits, as I said, are down. But when you're a 50, 40, 90 guy and you're 47 is considered in your down year and 90 from the line, that is ridiculous. Yeah. The biggest thing I also wanted to say about Brogdon, other than just how we have seen him progress because he is also one of the smarter players in the league on and off the court, as we see, um, is that last year we thought the Pacers would be kind of in the lower of the pack of the East um, as Oladipo went down with injury because we knew Nate McMillan was a good coach. We knew Miles Turner was a good center. DeMontis Sabonis rose to an all-star level last year. Um, and Brogdon was above average, but with, Oladipo going down and Brogdon and Sabonis' play, when Oladipo came back, he went from the guy to being a third option where he's not, he was an, he ended up becoming an expendable trade piece for Karis Levert, who may be less talented than Oladipo, but is maybe a better fit and also two years younger and is on two more years contract-wise. And I just want to say that the, the, the Indiana Pacers, if fully healthy, don't be surprised if they're this year's Miami Heat. Ooh, that is With big right there. Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. That is one of the best starting fives. And then you have Jeremy Lamb coming back fully healthy. And right now they have been without Lavert and Turner and Warren. So that's three starters currently for them that would slide to their bench. That is a deep team. That's and deep. they be Nate Bjorken is also a coach of the year candidate for having almost the same roster carryover, but just being so much better at playing at a faster pace and no, focusing more on offense and protecting the paint with Miles Turner. So I'm, now I'm going to swing it over to you. I think I'm going to piggyback off of that Brogdon real quick. I think with Brogdon, 
with that 50-40-90 with the Bucks, I just really think the Bucks missed a great opportunity to re-sign him because even though he, his percentages this year are a little bit down, like you said, like how much, like 50-40-90, like, oh my goodness. So Brogdon, that Pacers team with Zabonis, with Miles Turner and Levert returning back to healthy, like you said, man, they're gonna, they might, they might surprise people. They might be this year's Heat team. And I'm gonna go with my number four. He's also a who, just like Brogdon. We're gonna go with the Andre Hunter Ooh. out of Atlanta Hawks. That's what we're doing. So this year he's a sophomore. And the reason, in my notes, I have a stellar sophomore year thus far, the first month. I just really dislike when we don't give these players after their rookie year any sort of leeway. Like, it's just like a baby taking their first steps. You gotta, we got to allow time for some growth. Mm -hmm. And year two, and we're already seeing it, averaging 16.7 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 1.9 assists, with the shooting splits of 50.3 from uh, two-point range, 40% from three, and 86.5 from free throws. And this is out of 16, I mean, 13 games thus far. So kind of really what I want to say about DeAndre Hunter right now is that first of which the Hawks did a great job this off season with surrounding Trey Young with great pieces. Yes. Thus far right now, the Hawks are having up and down season, but really have you seen the last five games from Trey Young and those Hawks? Boy, it's, it's, it's starting to become special and they don't even have a fully healthy roster. yet. Mm -hmm. So with DeAndre Hunter, I think right now, during his second season, he reminds me, I know it's I know it's early to say, but he reminds me of a young Kawhi Ooh. in his early Spurs days. Ooh. Very, very early Spurs days. Not the tail end of the, his Spurs career, but the early, the early of the career. And so I'm not advocating or saying he's going to be the next Kawhi, but we're seeing shades of it. We're seeing a little shades of it from Deion Hunter. And right now, I think his trajectory in the sophomore year offensively is a lot higher and Kawhi's was his sophomore year in the league. And I kind of want to say one more thing about DeAndre is that his two-way two -way playmaking ability with being a dual threat on defense and offense has really real allowed the Atlanta Hawks to use Cam Reddish and him guarding the, team's, the opposing team's best players. And I think having that tandem of Reddish when he does come back healthy and having Hunter, that's going to be a really good wing combo to – Maybe upset those Celtics. Mm -hmm. I remember Rashadson saying it. Mm -hmm. Watch out for them Hawks. So I'm going to say DeAndre Hunter, stellar sophomore year thus far. And I, I truly believe he's going to continue to elevate his play, even when those new Atlanta Hawks return back from those injuries. And we're, we're going to see something special from those boys. Yeah, to piggyback off of DeAndre for a little bit, um, like you said, with shades of Kawhi, with him and Cam Reddish, is that basically a potential young version of what we see in L.A. right now with Paul George and Kawhi? Because DeAndre does not just have similar numbers, but almost the same exact measurements. I remember seeing mm -hmm. in the combine where in terms of height, wingspan, weight, and also like some of his college stuff that he was doing. And like you said, he is so he has done better on offense than I think almost anyone could have predicted because um, we knew the defense was there. And last year he averaged 12, but it, it was a struggle for him to get that 12 last year. And this year, 
that near 17 seems to be much easier. As you said, he's almost at 50, 40, 90 shooting splits in his second year. And he's the third, fourth option now with Clint Capella healthy. And now that makes it, like you said, when fully healthy, like a lot of people have been going on the Hawks and saying, oh, it's, we haven't lived up, they haven't lived up to the hype. Well, they started four and one and they're still around 500 but they haven't been without Bogdan Bogdanovich. They haven't been mm-hmm. without Danilo Gallinari. Rondo has only played three games. Onyeko mm-hmm. Kongu, their sixth overall rookie, has only played a game. Capella was out for the first six, seven games. When fully healthy, this Atlanta team could be a offensive machine as well as being a near, maybe average to above average defense. Because outside of really Hunter, Reddish, and Capella, you're not really getting much defense. But when you have as good of defenders as Hunter, Capella, and Reddish are, then, you know, that's it. that is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead into my fourth and with Colin Sexton for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who has been who has put up 27 points per game to go along with two boards, about four assists, about a steal, and shooting 53 from from field goal, 50 from down 50 percent from downtown, and 77 percent from the line. Now that is an average increase of six points and 12 three-point percentage. Last year, he shot 38. This year, he is shooting 50. He is sixth in points per game and seventh in three-point percentage while being on the team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which have the fifth best defense in the league. So when you know that you're having a top, not only 10, but top five defense, and you can kind of you know, rest because Larry Nance Jr. is leading the league in deflections. And Andre Drummond, Jared Allen, all those bigs that they have patrolling the paint. Mm-hmm. And good 3 and D guys and Chetty Osman and Isaac Okoro. Sexton just can carry that scoring load knowing what he has behind him on defense. And he is a very good defender himself mm-hmm. in terms of he's active. Um, and a lot of people are, are saying that, oh, this is kind of a fluke. He's averaging 37 minutes per game. He's only playing nine games. Well, last year, before quarantine happened, before COVID, in his last 20 games, we kind of saw flashes of this. In his last 20 games, he averaged 24, 3, and 4. And and on not as good shooting splits from distance, but almost identical in terms of his field goal and free throw percentage. And like I said, with the fifth best defense in the league, and the young core that is now him, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, and whatever future draft picks they're going to have, as Cleveland currently is in the playoffs, but that could slide out once they start potentially trading away their veterans and love and drumming and acquiring these picks, is that he is now an all-star caliber guard in the East in his third year for being so high scoring. Because, I mean, we literally t- – like three days ago when we were talking about our list, I was, mm-hmm. I texted you. I was like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? He scored 20 straight points it was, for it was Cleveland. Insane. 
in double it overtime was, against Brooklyn and dropped 42. Bro, I was screaming on my couch. I was just like, there's no way. Like, back to back to back. And I'm just like, it's special. It was special that night. It was crazy. He was just in the zone. And he has been – and that is his best game of the season. And I think that that game between Brooklyn and Cleveland is, has been the best game of the season so far. But to be in the zone and score 42, but it's not that he scored 42, it's the 20 straight to yeah. me. That's what impressed me the most is that, yeah, he came in averaging 27, but he was kind of having an off night. And it, mm-hmm. it was a little interesting because Brooklyn doesn't have the best perimeter defenders. But then, yeah. too, will that Cleveland team back and double overtime and just – Give it to Brooklyn. It was and special. So that's man. why I think that Sexton is my most, my fourth most surprising player. And I even had him as in my top five before that game. But that game just solidified it. Where if not an all-star this year, once some of these older guys start flush, fleshing out, the Kyle Lowry's, the Bradley Beals, the Kyrie's, the Hardens, Sexton is going to be a perennial all-star if he continues to be a top 10 scorer and he's only going to be a better playmaker and defender once Darius Garland comes back in where they can play off of each other. Yes. And kind of just a quick little tidbit about that. I, once they were playing those Garland and Garland and him have been playing ridiculously together. Their chemistry has been just superb. Like to be quite honest, I didn't really, suspected to be that good because Garland was in and out last year with some injuries. Um, but it's really been really cool to see those two guys and their chemistry. Yeah, I know it's not to the level of Dame and CJ, but like, I feel like they're both smaller guards. They kind of have that feel, that vibe to them. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watch, looking and watching them in the years to come. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. And kind of, kind of like we were talking about our list the other night, like you said, and I was just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm watching this game. I think I think he's ready for the moment. And right now, I think Jordan Clarkson is ready for that moment to be the sixth man of the year. Like, he's really elevated his play. Averaging, mm-hmm. It's his seventh season, averaging 7.7 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists a game. And then with the shooting splits of 48.5 from two, 41.8 from three, and 95.5. Five free throw. And after watching last night's game with the Pelicans, it pretty much like solidified it for me that he's really here to be that second unit scorer off the bench. He he wills that team's second unit with the empowerment from their head coach. I truly believe when he was with the Lakers, it didn't go as well. Like he had some spurts of oh, he might be a pretty good scorer on off the bench. We don't know. And then ended up going getting traded into the Cavs when LeBron was there and then boom got traded one more time to Utah and look at what we're seeing mm-hmm. I just truly believe that Jordan Clarkson has found his niche he found his team and I think he's here to stay I I think he's here to stay for a while um and I I, I just truly believe that Clarkson is ready for the moment for Utah Jazz fans yeah I mean he's my current pick for six men of the year and he should be almost everybody's and I really like what you said about his situation where it's kind of 
the right player with the right team, with mainly the right coach. When he was mm-hmm. on the Lakers, they weren't winning games, so no one was really caring. Everybody mm-hmm. thought it was empty stats. Then, as soon as he goes to Cleveland and it's with LeBron, he's expected to be carry over the stats he was doing for L.A., mm-hmm. but on in a winning situation. And, and if we have pressure. seen – if we have seen everyone who plays with LeBron gets that pressure, as we saw from mm-hmm. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope or Danny Green, every night that the Lakers played being the number one trending thing on Twitter. To every where now, time. So now KCP <laughs> is shooting 57% from three-point land. But Jordan Clarkson, this year, the Jazz are making the most threes in the league. Like, the same way I talked about the Indiana Pacers in the East, that's the Utah Jazz in the West. Everyone, the, they have six guys shooting over 38% from three. And Donovan Mitchell is the in last in that order, shooting 39. And as you said, Clarkson was always known as this microwave scoring guard. But now it has come to fruition with Utah, where he's going to come in when Mitchell sits, and he's putting up 17 per game. And he is just so dynamic with the ball on offense. And Quinn Snyder just gives him that green light and that he is now comfortable. He's found his place because for a little bit, it seemed like he was going to be a guy that bounced from team to team. Exactly. To give them That's what I that, thought. To give them that 10-11 points per game, um, just bounce, bouncing around. Kind of like uh, Rivers. Yes, Austin Rivers. That was a Austin perfect Rivers. example. But he, he just seems to have seized the opportunity given to him. And he's on yes. a fairly deep – decently priced contract is this past yes. summer he signed four years 50 million so that's about 12 and a quarter every year and you're getting your the leading six-man candidate and you know for Utah that's great but down the line is he's on a cheap contract that's a good trade piece too if they want that's to package close. him him and something else for to maybe like bring in some more help for Mitchell and Gobert but right now he's providing enough help so yeah. Going, staying in the West, going to a surprising team with the Jazz, we're going to go to the Phoenix Suns and do me. Call Bridges. Ooh. Now, Bridges is averaging, he's not eye-popping stats. He's only mm-hmm. averaging about 15 points, six boards, about two assists, and about a block a game. But he's shooting 44 from three and providing off-ball defense and defense that doesn't show up in the box score. He's providing he's providing what I like to call the Rodman Green defense, the Dennis Rodman, Draymond Green, where they are not getting the three, four blocks per game, two, two and a half steals per game that we see from perennial all-defense, defensive player of the year candidates. But for his off-ball defense at a 6'9", super switchy forward, and he kind of leads that three-headed, three-and-D wing monster between him, Jay Crowder, and Cameron Johnson, where Crowder mm-hmm. provides more defense, Cameron Johnson pro- provides more offense. And Bridges just kind of meets in the middle for both. Yes, where definitely. He is so important to their, their X factor. The same way as his teammate, we saw Jay Crowder from Miami. I feel Bridges is the X factor for Phoenix. We know what we're going to get from Chris Paul in the playoffs. We know Devin Booker is going to put up anywhere from 22 to 25 or maybe more in the playoffs as it now 
We've never seen him in the playoffs, so we don't know. The same way, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray and all these guys increased their numbers in the bubble playoffs. We don't know what Booker can do. And we also know Aiton now as any big that plays with Chris Paul who's going to get that pick and roll. And he's the most offensively gifted center Chris yes. Paul has ever played with as opposed to a legit rim runner with Tyson Chandler back in the New Orleans days. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan, Tyson, and um, Clint Capella, and Steven Adams. DeAndre Ayton is the most offensively gifted, so we know what we're going to get from Ayton. Whereas Bridges, the benefactor of him playing next to CP3 as well, because Chris Paul comes in to where now – Chris Paul and Devin Booker can both play on and off the ball. That just gives Bridges more open shot opportunities where he can diverge his energy to defense and threes. And he's doing it at an exceptional rate. And now he's a, like he's eighth in the league in offensive rating. Wow. Eighth. And wow. to go into the advanced metrics. And if you want to know the he's a prime example of the current three in the wings, 55% of his shot attempts are from distance. Wow. Over half wow. of his shots in a game are from three-point three land. That is three and D. And what's so funny is that Philly could have had him. Philly drafted him and traded him to Phoenix for Zaire Smith, who has been, who is not in the league currently, where they could have had Simmons and Bede and Bridges and whatever else they had done. Man, but man. Phoenix is more than happy to have him, and he is the X factor, and he's so surprising, as I, as I said. He's shooting 44% from three on five attempts, or excuse me, six and a half attempts, which are 55% of his total field goal. Wow. As well, it's just he doesn't have the eye-popping defensive stats, but when you watch the game, you see his impact so much in terms of being a he's 6'9. He can guard every position. Every position. So and that's I, and I, what I have to say about Bridges. And just a quick quick thing about Bridges is that I think he's truly a player you need to watch the game. Like yes. his like you said, his stats aren't gaudy. They're not gonna be crazy, but they're gonna be solid. But you need to watch these games, folks, because your eyes will show you he's becoming that 3 and D Trevor Ariza of the Lakers yes. type of player. And he's a similar okay. body type to Ariza, too. Exactly. Exactly. So, kind of, I'm moving from the west to the east. And I and everyone knows I'm kind of a Kentucky homer. Get over it. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to go with Julius Randle of the Knicks. Woo. Folks, seventh year in the league. Bounced around a few places. It's all right. Averaging 22.4 points per game, 11.4 rebounds per game, 6.3 assists, shooting splits at 47.9 from two, 35.9 from three, and 60, I mean, 78.6% from field goal percentage. I mean, out of free throw percentage. And that is out of 16 games. I was listening to a podcast a few days ago and reading some tweets, and I saw that Scoop B actually talked about Julius Randle being this era's Zebo. If you don't Ooh. know who Zebo is, that's Zach Randall. Oh, okay. And I tend to agree with that, but at the same time, I don't. I go back and forth simply because I, I think their games are similar because they're 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 paint players. They're they're tough buckets around the rim, 
But the I think what differs Randall from from Zach Zach Randolph is I, I was looking at shooting splits today and Randall really never had a three point game. Like in his era, he's playing more in the two thousand. That was more back to the basket with the grit and grind era of Tony Allen's of the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. That that was his style. And I think he was more of going with the Rashad Phillips positional chart. He was definitely a power forward. But Randall, I think he's more of a hybrid post. I think he should be used as a hybrid post. He he with 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 the new addition of the new head coach Tom Thibodeau has really risen the level of play for not just Randall, but the entire Knicks organization. They are the best defense in the league, folks. Rated number one. And like that just speaks to itself because we know the Knicks. They've been a dumpster fire basically since for a very, very long time, but they got the pieces there. And I think one of the main pieces that's not only helping Julius Randle out, but also now you're seeing it from RJ Barrett is the main man from Kentucky, Kenny Payne himself. Mm. I really think he's developing those forwards and those centers to just really grind, to love the grind, that New York grit and grind. So I just, I'm just really excited to see what Julius Randle has. He's playing on for another contract, fairly young player. And like you and I, Reed, we're talking about the other day, is he going to stick in New York or, or is he going to go to maybe a contender like Dallas or maybe a contender like – or a, a, a team that may be contending in the future is the Charlotte Hornets. Mm. So it's, it's just really cool to see Randall's growth this past year. And, and, folks, you just really need to watch him and watch the Knicks a little bit more this year, just a tad bit more. Yeah, shout out – to the New York Knicks with the number one defense in the league. Two words, Tom Thibodeau. Stephen A. Smith is finally happy. Worldwide, <laughs> worldwide Wobe is finally happy. Now, yes, I love what you said about Randall with Zach Randolph. But to me, Z- Julius Randall is more kind of a merge of Zebo and Lamar Odom with, oh, his, oh. with his recent playmaking. And we saw the playmaking potential that year he played in New Orleans when Boogie went down and he was playing with Davis. He was putting up about three to four assists, not the seven getting triple-double machine that yeah. he is this year. But in terms of where he's back to the basket – and similar to Zebo, even though he has, but he has the three-point shot in the playmaking of Lamar Odom. And so I kind of see that. And as you said, he he's a potential all-star in the East. In the East, we get it. It's kind of easier to make the all-star team. But the thing is, the difference between Randall this year on the Knicks is that the Knicks are actually winning games. It's not putting up empty stats on game on teams that aren't winning Mm -hmm. the other day the Knicks beat the Celtics 105 to 75 with Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker playing it's not like it was the team a team decimated by COVID now granted Mm -hmm. they were without Jason Tatum but that is still even if Jason Tatum plays that's a 30 point loss yeah they and the Knicks as you said the number one defense is that really outside of Randall, Randall Barrett, Manuel Quickly, and whoever's hot between Rivers and Burks, it seems that they take turns. They really don't get any offense. But this Knicks 
the defense is kind of there like the 90s where the Pat Riley, Tom Thibodeau, in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of their defensive mindset, not their overall coaching. Um, as Pat Riley's yeah. one of the best coaches of all time, but like the Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewing, yep. Charles yep. Oakley, John Starks, Greg Dude. Anthony, where when you play them, you know that you are going to need that. You're going to need that ice bath. You're going to exactly. need that the next day practice <laughs> off, and that's what the Knicks are currently doing. And Right now, they're in a playoff spot in the East. But if they drop, they are still highly competitive with Randall, Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, their defensive anchor, Obi Toppin coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Where look out for New York and Leon Rose and the CAA front office, where, like you said, does Randall go to Dallas on a contender that needs an extra playmaker? Does he go to Charlotte and kind of play the small ball five for them and give them a legit center versus a Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo? No shame on yeah. those two, but a 23-11-7 guy in Julius Randle. Now, yeah. his stats probably would go down, but the fact is that the 23-11-7 is evident if you watch the game where it's not mm-hmm. empty stats. Like, he's actually cooking this year. Yeah, he's grinding. He grinded this offseason. He he didn't get the Knicks didn't make the bubble. He made that leap. The Knicks got got those new coaching staff in, and they went to work. They really went to work this offseason. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and get into my second player. When we talk about the Knicks being bad, the Knicks aren't, but this team is bad. But I think that this guy is not just putting up garbage time stats where someone has to score in Jeremy Grant for the Detroit Pistons. The dude is averaging 25 points per game with 20 points in his last 12 straight, including a 32-point game the other night in overtime loss to the Hawks. Six boards, three assists, a steal, and one and a half blocks. Yes, his, his minutes per game is now at 36, which is 10 more than he got with the Nuggets last year. But he's shooting 47 from field goal range, 39 from three-point range, and 86 from free throw line. Now, he has not increased his three-point percentage from last year, but he is taking double the attempts on the same percentage. Last year, he shot 39 with Denver. This year, he's shooting 39 with Detroit on double the attempts. The efficiency in terms of you know that he is actually a better player as he has increased his scoring average by 13 and a half points. Yeah. And his player efficiency rating is at 21.6. Now he is in my mind, him or a player I know is on your list in contention for most improved player, but Jeremy Grant is 13th in the league in points per game. He's 18th in blocks as a small forward. He's 15th in offensive win shares. And I want to say the main thing is, like I said, most will argue that someone has to put up stats for Detroit. Mm -hmm. But when Jeremy Grant decided to go there after having the same contract in terms of year and money offered by the Nuggets, he picked an increased role on a lesser team versus a lesser role on a good team. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that he has truly put his money where his mouth is, where now – that him and 
Sekou Demboye, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stort, and all mm-hmm. these guys are a potential future for Detroit, as Jeremy Grant is also only 26 years old. And like I said, yes, his you're going to look at his numbers and be like, well, obviously with 10 more minutes and on a bad team, he's mm-hmm. going to do this, as the Pistons have currently have are tied with the Timberwolves for the worst record in the league. But when you watch the game, you see that he is truly better player from every possible direction. And as we had discussed, is he has signed a four-year contract for $60 million, but yeah. next year or two years from now, when Detroit's still not winning, but he's still putting up numbers and still making that money, do you think Detroit could trade him for a piece to a contender? Or does he demand a trade now that he just wants – now that he has gone oh. his – he's gone his numbers, now he wants to get his accolades again. But, again, potential Eastern Conference All-Star. Now, granted, we've said that about Levine and Brogdon and Randall mm-hmm. and Sexton. But with Randall, similar to Jeremy Grant, it's from a forward position where it is mm-hmm. a little weaker and there is the potential where you just cannot deny his numbers. But even if he doesn't make an All-Star team, there is no doubt that he is not in that final three most improved player of the year candidates. So that's all I have to say about Jeremy Grant. And just just like you talked about about Grant, I think I think the Nuggets are really gonna miss Grant when it matters most in the playoffs. Yes. What we saw from the bubble, even though Grant's role, like you said, was lesser with the Nuggets, he really made a huge impact for them winning in in the bubble. Like it was very special to see Grant's defensive ability in the bubble, and also more of his offense to show in the bubble. And now, like you're saying, Reed. You're seeing all of that come to fruition by a team by himself. He's with the Pistons. He feels comfortable. He wants to grow as a player. And I really think this is – he made a great decision for himself to grow. He bet on and himself and it's working. He bet on himself. And speak, speaking about my last player betting on himself, I truly believe this man is going – might get it. He might get most improved player of the year. Think if the Lakers played Taylor Horton Tucker more, he'd get it. Well, this is my guy. If you don't know him, you a casual. It is Christian Woods. Okay. Many people didn't really even know him when he played with the Pelicans. Last year he played with the Pistons and people didn't even know. Right now it's his sixth season with the Houston Rockets. 23.5 points per game, 10.8 rebounds. 1.4 1.4 assists, and 1.5 blocks per game. The shooting splits a 52.8 from two-point, 36.2 from three-point range, and a, and a little subpar from free throw, six, 67.3 free throw range. And kind of, kind of just what I want to tell you guys about, Woods, is that with more opportunity to showcase his skill set like he did last year in Detroit, Woods has raised his level of play even at a higher clip than last season even though we had a very small sample size. Since last season, folks, he's averaging a whopping 10.4 more points per game, a whole nother block more per game, and also 4.5 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. Yes, his minutes have increased uh, due to the Rockets not really truly having a real center, but now he fills, he, he fills that void for the Houston Rockets. Even more so now that Harden is out of town 
and John Wall is in and out still with his knee injury. Overall, I really think Christian Woods is very comfortable being a Houston Rocket. And once John Wall returns back from his knee injury, or let's say uh, probably knee soreness as of right now, we're, Christian Wood's going to leap up even more, folks. So mm -hmm. that's my list. It goes, Deon, it goes my honorable mention, De'Aaron Fox. And then it went Zach Levine. Then it, we moved ourselves over to DeAndre Hunter. Then number three, we went to Jordan Clarkson. Then Julius Randle. And then finish it off with Christian Wood. Yes, Christian Wood, my pick for most improved player, even though I have my second and third on my list, is I'm getting mm -hmm. ready to get into who I think is third in most improved and also a six-man-of-the-year candidate. So stay tuned. But to go back on Christian Wood, like you said, first of all, love what you said about you at Casual, what he said about Shaq, where Shaq <laughs> said he didn't really know his game. Yeah, that was funny. Shaq is just – a lot of players are not liking him right now. We'll leave it at that. And but Christian Wood, as you oh. said, you know, he he he's kind of got the same similar storyline to Hassan Whiteside in a way. Mm -hmm. Where I he just that. I feel that he was the talent was there, but it was just something about it that just didn't really click wherever he went. Mm. Um, you know, like you said, he was with New Orleans for a while. He was with the Bucks, Bucks for a while, yeah. where he credits being around, watching and witnessing what Giannis was doing really mm -hmm. helped him because they would have, uh, as he said, really close one-on-one -on -one battles in practice. And then, like you said, he did well in Detroit, but it was so small that we didn't know if it was just a hot streak that people go on. But now it is legit. Real. He is real. real. And he's still so young. I want to say he's 26. Um, let's see. I, I true. Let me see. But Christian. to go on Christian Wood as Jackson looks 25. at this age, 25. So a year younger. Wow. But this Houston team now. So, yes, we know John Wall, Victor Oladipo, you know, P.J. Tucker, DeMarcus Cousins. Well, seems like P.J. Tucker might get moved. Victor Oladipo's contract is up after this year. John Wall's contract is up after this year. DeMarcus Cousins' contract is up after this year. Daniel House's, Ben McLemore, those are also potential trade pieces, all of them. But now Houston has 10 first-round picks to work with. When they mortgage their future in order to get Chris Paul and also get Russell Westbrook, and now they have turned that into – and Robert Covington. For Robert Covington, they got two first-round picks. For James Harden, they got eight. That is 10 first-round picks in <laughs> Houston's control. And potentially even more with a Tucker trade, with a Wall mm -hmm. trade, with an Oladipo sign-in trade, with DeMarcus, mm -hmm. and then just more uh, numbers and salary off their books where they are. it looks like they are a potential um, bright spot for a rebuild and with talent, as I said, with the, all the draft picks or draft picks right now are the best trade asset in the league where we are trading guys that aren't even in high school yet for current players. But it's just the <laughs> fact is that all you know is that that could be the next LeBron, the next MJ, mm -hmm. anything of that. So that's why play, people want it so much. Look at OKC as they basically have every pick for the next three years. <laughs> but with Christian Wood, 
Jay Sean Tate, who has been playing well. Mason Jones, who no one except for Rashad Phillips was talking about, who dropped That's 24 it. in his first start. Dude, I picked him up in my fantasy league. I had to. I had to. And those three guys, Kmart Jr. and all these future draft picks, were in a really good young head coach in Steven Silas, Love son him. of the legend Paul Silas, sure. and finally – Gets the job that he deserves. Now, granted, Tillman Fertitta, their owner, is a little cheap, which is why they so they got Harden and went with Oladipo instead of Levert and everything on that. But the fact is, is that they have all these young guys and draft picks, which are cheap. So mm-hmm. look out for the next two to three years as Christian Wood should win most improved this year if the season ended today and could make potential all-stars as a Big in the West, which is the hardest to do. Now, as I talked about, leading to my last player, before I name his name, let me just tell you what all he has done. He is a most improved and sixth man of the year candidate. He is the league leader in offensive rating and true shooting percentage. Third in player efficiency rating at 28.4. And third in blocks per game in 2.4. He's ninth in win shares. And he comes off the bench. For the Toronto Raptors, slim duck Chris Boucher himself. At 16 points, seven boards, an assist, half a steal, and two and a half blocks in only 24 minutes per game. With 59% field goal. 48 from downtown, and 78 from the line. He's increased. So two years ago, so little known fact, Chris Boucher is a two-time NBA champion already. In 2018, he won with the Golden State Warriors as he only played five games. And two years ago, he played 28 games for the Toronto Raptors, only 5.8 minutes in 28 games, didn't sniff the court in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. to now being a key piece, a potential starter, as we see his minutes increase basically every game. And yep. for a team with the best head coach in the league, and Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse. A possible bright future with Siakam Van Fleet and Ananubi, and now you add in Boucher. So as I said, Chris Boucher, and his per 36 minutes, as he's only playing 24, his per 36, mm-hmm. he's putting up 24 points, 10 boards, but three and a half blocks. The 24, only, 10, and three? And three and a half. Oh, my goodness. The only players in NBA history to put up 24 points, 10 rebounds, and three and a half blocks are Kareem, David Robinson, Shaq, and Patrick Ewing. You drop it down to three to three blocks per game, and Alonzo Mourning enters the chat. Wow. And Bob McAdoo. And Bob McAdoo. That is Hall of Fame elite company. And as I said, he's both the most improved and sixth man of the year candidate, and he might end up starting. So, but if he does win most improved player, which I currently have him second in my ballot, Mm -hmm. it's I go Wood, Boucher, Grant, because Wood is winning. Grant is yeah. losing, but increase in Boucher's right in the middle. He mm-hmm. would be the first player since 1997 to 98. Allen Anders, Allen Henderson 
to win most improved player with under 30 minutes per game. And he would possibly be the first defensive-minded six-man of the year since Anthony Mason. In okay. What we perennially wow. see, what we perennially see from six men of the year is a guard. But last year, people will say, well, Chris Boucher is a center, Montrez Harrell is a center. But Montrez Harrell comes in and is basically a guard mentality in a center body where he's getting all these pick and rolls and he's getting all these post ups. Where Chris Boucher is coming in and he's getting boards and he's getting blocks and he's making the most of his minutes. What we've seen lately is Aaron Baines will still get the start and play 12 minutes total, and Boucher will close. And Boucher is just unreal. And like I said, he went from two years ago, barely playing, just kind of, they just needed people to fill out the roster, to being a key piece and potential starter for a team. And granted, he's 28 years old, so he's a little old for being in his fourth season in the league. But the fact is, is that 28 is still young in the NBA. 28 and all that. And as I said, if you just give him that minutes, look at his per 36 minutes. And he's playing 20. Producing. He's, he's producing. producing when he's out there. And he's 28, but he still fits that timeline as Siakam's 25, Van Fleet's 26, and Ananubi's 24, where he fits that timeline of under 30 year old players to go for it. And as we see, Watch out if he if he starts. Watch out for him next season. When if he if he starts for the rest of this year and takes his name out of six men of the year candidate, but keeps him in most improved. And next year, just watch out with increased minutes. So that's what I have to say about Slim Duck. So to run down, yeah. we did honorable mention of Lou Dort and Shake Milton. Then we got into some Malcolm Brogdon. Then we got into some Colin Sexton, some Mikael Bridges, some Jeremy Grant, and some mm-hmm. Chris. Boucher, who is the advanced metrics darling this year. Every Mm -hmm. year, advanced metrics finds a way. But as I said, he's a league leader, third in this, second in that, and so on and so forth. And he's also ninth in win shares coming off the bench. That is how impactful Boucher is. So that is what I have for my five most surprising players in my honorable mention. We heard from Jackson. So, Jackson, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to end this recording and we're probably going to talk a little bit more, but this is where the end is for all you listeners out there. Um, thank you for tuning in to Not Your Normal Read. I'm Reed Jones. You can find me on Instagram at readmjones underscore or on Twitter at the real Jones. Jackson, if you want to say goodbye to our listeners. Thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate Mr. Jones. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your pod, man. I had such a great time. Uh, shout out to the 509, to the 206, the Washington. That's where, where some of my love's from. So, again, thank you, Reed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My handle just recently switched to uh, Jackson, huh? H-A-A-K. If you, it's not H-A-W-K, it's J-A-C-K-S-O-N, H-A-A-K. So, give me a follow, and thank you again. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all you listeners out there. If you're listening. Please subscribe if you're on Spotify. Please subscribe if you're listening to Apple Podcasts. We are recording this on a Friday night. You'll probably be listening to this a few days later. And what to expect from Not Your Normal Read going forward is I'm going to talk about my top three picks for each award one month into the season and then get going into some interviews that I have lined up. 
Jackson I w- is probably going to return at some point as he seems mm-hmm. to be a potential perennial and usual guest, maybe the house to my Bill Simmons. And Ooh. then we'll see so on and so forth. But thank you for turning into Not Your Normal Read. <laughs>